Sister Bev will be with us in a few minutes. In fact, she'll be finishing out the um, month of September in the book of Isaiah. And I'm hearing such good feedback from you. You know, she's a lot of fun. I'm kind of a boring teacher, all right? I'm dealing with logic and facts. Sister Bev is just plain fun. So she'll be with you in a minute. But right now, let me go through our New Testament passage today. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Paul said, for this reason... Now, when you see something like that for this reason, you have to go back to what you just finished reading. So whenever you see like for this reason, remember to go back. What did you just read at the end of chapter 2? Now at the end of chapter 2, Paul has just talked with us about that we're being built together, that God has joined the Jew and the Gentiles together, that there's no more problems between us and things like that. All of that has happened. There's no more prejudice. And then he comes down and says, for this reason, because we've been built together as one into a holy temple of God. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. All right, here's the focus of calling. He said, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. Now, this is the ministry, all right? This is the ministry. We can call the ministry the stewardship of God's grace. So when you hear people going around prophesying judgment on people, when you hear people going around saying, God's judgment is a coming on them, and, uh, um, yeah, that's not the ministry. That, that, they, they've been listening to too many demons, all right? Assume, because remember, we've not been appointed unto wrath. And remember, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So remember, remember, remember. He said, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, this is our role as pastors in your life. A stewardship of grace. Not going around telling everybody God's judgment is going to come on you and God's... No, 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 no. And I've heard preachers like that all my life. We have a stewardship of God's grace. That's our role as pastors, all right? That was given to me, all right? So the stewardship of God's grace was given, Paul said. And it was given to me for you. Now, notice the focus for you. Gentiles, for you. Stewardship of God's grace was given to me for you. You have to learn the focus of calling. Now, I, I hear a lot of people talk about their vision today, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and all they talk about is goal projects, but they don't understand. The focus of calling is on a people. This is why, like, I've spent my life as your pastor. Why? Because there was a stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. It wasn't given to me for the world. It was given to me for you, the people that God has called me to. The Pinoy people. This is why when we are traveling overseas, I'm always looking for the Pinoys. That's why we're starting Pinoy churches in other countries. Why? Because it's not that we're against anybody else, but there was a stewardship of God's grace that is given to me for you. The stewardship of God's grace to minister was not given to me because of, of me. It was given to me for you. So the focus of the calling. And this is one of the things I often sit down with young pastors about and say, you know, you're, you're talking to me about all your dreams and all your ambitions and you don't understand. When, when, when God called you, you lay all those ambitions down. You understand, God has given you a stewardship of grace for a people. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. He said, listen, I told you about how when Jesus appeared to me in the deserts of Arabia for three years. 
He said, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. He said, you're, you're going to begin to get an understanding of my insight into the gospel, which was made known to the sons of man, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we see ministry to the Gentiles. Throughout Jesus' teachings, we talk about God so loved the world, not just so God so loved Israel. We talk about going to the Gentiles. But the big revelation of this came to the apostles and prophets. Verse 6, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. He said, now this is the mystery. The Jew, the Jew and the Gentiles joined together. The wild olive branches joined into the olive tree, which would be Israel. He said, and of this gospel, and he said, everything comes through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So Paul said, all this ministry, he said, I have a stewardship of the grace of God, but this ministry was also given to me by the grace of God, and it was given to me by the working of his great power. So you have to understand, when Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul said, I'm a grace-made man. He understands the stewardship of God's grace was given to him according to the gift of God's grace. It's all about grace. To me, though I am the least of all the saints, the grace, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, start highlighting grace, all right? This is a big truth for Paul. Start understanding grace is what Paul's all about. He said, I'm saved by grace. He said, a stewardship, the calling for, on my life was given to me by grace. He said, I, I received grace to preach. He said, I'm the least of all the saints, was I, but grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles. So Paul said, listen, everything I am is about grace. And to bring delight for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So here you again have creation doctrine. So people say, Pastor Summerall, do you believe in the doctrines of creation versus evolution? I say, I don't believe in evolution. I said, it takes a lot more faith to believe that I started out as an amoeba. It takes a lot more faith to look at that than it does to accept that there's a great God who creates us. I'm a creation person. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Wow. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God he said, all of this grace flows because God wants all the rulers and authorities, both angelic and demonic, God wants through the church this wisdom to be revealed. Now, you, you just got to think about that for a minute. All these demons are recognizing the wisdom of God manifested through the church. This is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness, and access. So here's more of this in Christ. In him we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, <laughs> which is for your glory. All right. So all right. The ministry is all about grace. We've talked about that. And the ministry suffers. Sorry. 
you know, young people think that, okay, if I'm going to be in the ministry, it's going to be all glamorous. Paul said, you know, there, there's things that we suffer for the people of God. He said, and we suffer for their glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. I like that. Before the Father. I don't bow my knee to people. I bow my knee before the Father. From which every family in heaven and earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what is a favorite prayer of mine. That God will strengthen you with power by his spirit in your inner being. That's one of my favorite prayers to pray for people. But notice, God has to grant this. This is a gift of God. People say, how can you be so strong and stand up under all the whatever? Because God grants me to be strengthened with power through his spirit in my inner being. This is why it's a favorite prayer of mine to pray for you. How can you stand in the middle of this COVID-19? How can you stand the pressure? So many of you businessmen and businesswomen and professionals, the pressure that is coming against you these days. But God will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You got to get a hold of that, okay? You're not going to be able to stand, but God will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that, you always circle so that, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Ah, rooted and grounded in love. Not rooted and grounded in hate and bitterness and anger, but rooted and grounded in love. Now you gotta get a hold of that, okay? Love covers, love believes, love trusts. This is what you have to learn to do in relationships. Get rooted and grounded in love. And you may have strength to comprehend. All right, so part of this spiritual strength up here is for the purpose of comprehending. See, when, when your insides are broken down and, and, and discouraged, it's hard for you to perceive or understand anything that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> now, know, surpasses knowledge, you got to look at those two things and go, now how can I know something that surpasses knowledge? We're going to spend the rest of eternity discovering the love of God. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I had to be careful not to preach through this stuff because this is amazing. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to, his, according to the power that is at work within us. All right? So power, he's strengthening you in your inner being. According to that power that is strengthening you in, in your inner being, according to the power that is at work within us, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Brothers and sisters, you don't need to be a person of ambition. You need to be a person who follows Jesus. Because I got news for you. He will do far more for you than your ambitions can ever get a hold of. Your ambitions will always be selfish. But when God works in you, he will do far more than you can ever ask or think. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Yeah.
Welcome back to one of <laughs> one of my favorite books. Should I say one of my 66 favorite books of the Bible? But really, I don't know if you're supposed to have a favorite book of the Bible, but this is definitely one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Isaiah, because it is so rich, so full of beautiful truths of our salvation and of our daily life, our walk with God, of his sovereignty and his power in our lives, and of his goodness and his compassion and his reaching out to us. And we will get into our Isaiah reading today, starting in chapter 47. Now, as we read about Babylon and how Babylon is going to be um, pulled down, and then we in 48 we get into talking about Israel, we need to be thinking about like this. Who do I think I am versus who God says I am? Now, of course, we always need to think of that, right? What do I think of myself versus the reality of God's sovereignty and his plan that he has laid out for my life and what I am capable of accomplishing, of course. So we need to think of who I am, because sometimes that can go in two directions, right? We can think of ourselves as so, oh, who am I? Oh, I'm just a worm. When God is looking at us like Gideon hiding in the wine presses, and God is saying, you mighty man of valor, there's also the other side of that thing, where some people think they're all that. <laughs> some people think they are the world's greatest of this or that. They are God's gift to the world in the realm of whatever, worship leading, preaching, teaching the Bible, being a businessman, whatever, that they're God's gift to the world. And God is obviously has his own way of looking at that person and going, ah, you're not really all that. So we need to keep this in mind, that we might really believe we're all that, but it's God who exalts, and it's God who puts down, it's God who raises up, and it's God who humbles. And so we need to define ourselves the way the Bible does. So with Bible words, like John the Baptist did, right? Who do you say you are? I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And there are some pretty awesome Bible words that we can use to define ourselves and who we are. And so we think of ourselves the way God does. I am a servant of God. I am a friend of God. I'm part of the family of God. There are so many Bible words we can use. So we need to think of that as we read this passage about Babylon, because Babylon <laughs> is one of those nations that thought, they were all that. They thought they were the queen of the universe. 
and the center of it all, <laughs> and that all other nations should serve them. And let's just see what God has to say. Chapter 47. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Well, there you go. There's a good start. Come sit in the dust. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind flour. Put off your veil, strip off your robe, uncover your legs. Pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered and your disgrace shall be seen. I will take vengeance. I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go down into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no more be called the mistress of kingdoms. That is the ESV, other translations say the queen of kingdoms, because that's how she thought of herself. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage. I gave them into your hand. You showed them no mercy. On the aged, you made your yoke exceeding heavy. You said, I shall be mistress forever or queen forever, so that you did not lay these things to heart or remember their end. That's an important thing, right? Now, therefore, hear this, you lover of pleasures, you who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am and there is none beside me. I shall not sit as a widow or know the loss of children. These two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood shall come upon you in full measure, in spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantments. You felt secure in your wickedness. Oh, there are people like that, right, who feel secure in their wickedness. <laughs> but you said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am and there is no one beside me. But evil shall come upon you, which you will not know how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you. Can you just compare that just for a moment with Psalm 91? No evil shall be allowed to befall you. See, what a difference there always is when we surrender our lives to our Creator and say, God, I am the clay, you are the potter, make of me whatever you want, do whatever you want with my life. He takes care of his people. Disaster shall fall upon you for which you shall not be able to atone and ruin shall come upon you suddenly of which you know nothing. Stand fast in your enchantments and your many sorceries with which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you may be able to succeed. Perhaps you may inspire terror. You are wearied with your many counsels. Let them stand forth and save you. Those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you. Behold, they are like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. No coal for warming oneself is this. No fire to sit before. Such to you are those with whom you have labored, who have done business with you. From your youth, they wander about each in his own direction. 
there's no one to save you. Oh, what a despairing thought that there is no one to save you. And how different for us who know we have a Savior. The whole world needs to know that they have a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Chapter 48. Hear this, O house of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel and who come from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. Do people do that today? Do people use the name of the Lord and say, oh, bless the Lord, he is guiding me, he is using me, and he's not, this is not what God has said to them at all? Oh, yes, absolutely. People write it on their social media accounts and they say, God told me this and God told me that. <laughs> Sometimes even with songwriters, they say, God gave me this song. And then I hear the song and I think, you're going to blame that on God? <laughs> <laughs> no, there are really people who swear by the name of the Lord, but it's not in truth or right. For they call themselves. Hmm. Remember, let us always see ourselves, call ourselves, make ourselves known by how God sees us. He who wants what is best for us. But they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Because I know you are obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. You talk about descriptions of someone who is hard-headed. Wow. I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol did them. My carved image and my metal image commanded them. Yeah, it's really like that, right? People who, um, <laughs> after an event would say, oh, yes, yes, uh, my horoscope foretold this, or yes, yes, I foretold this, but they foretold it after, they foretold it after the event happened? No, <laughs> that's not exactly foretelling, is it? It's God, and you can see in the writings of Isaiah how God inspired him by the Holy Spirit to prophesy such specific things over and over in three years, in 65 years, in one year, this will happen, that will happen. God foretells these. You have heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago. Before today, you've never heard of them, lest you should say, behold, I knew them. You have never heard, you have never known, from of old your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth you were called a rebel. I never want God to say of me that I am a rebel. I always want God to say, her heart is so tender before me. When I move she is moldable and pliable in my hand. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. Now, this paragraph, I just find it 
so amazing because I look at God and I look at the motive for his mercy in my life. He did so many things for his people, for his own sake, because of his reputation and his name, which he did not want to be defiled. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. God's not going to sit around while you say, oh yeah, my horoscope foretold that. God's not going to sit around and let you do that. He will not share his glory with another. He is God and there is no other. So verse 12, listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble, all of you, and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So, Here's Isaiah prophesying. Who was he sent to? The people of Judah and Jerusalem. He's prophesying in chapter 48. He's specifically talking about the house of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel, who come from the waters of Judah. So God's people. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to prophet. Did you see that? He teaches you to profit. That is the ESV. Other translations say he teaches you what is best for you. That word best in, let's say, the NIV or prophet in the ESV, it's the Hebrew word ya'al, Y-A-A-L. When you translate that word from Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's used 23 times. Out of 23 times, 19 times, it is translated as profit. The word means gain, profit, benefit, or to avail. So, for your good, for your benefit, for your profit, I teach you to profit, to prosper, that it will go well with you. Prosperity is in the hands of God, and he teaches us to prosper, who leads you in the way you should go. You know, if you want to know the way you should go, read your Bible, study the word of God, amen, and he will show us clearly in there the way we should go. And not only are there generals, like general guidelines and um, even very specific um, instructions for all of us in the way we should go. 
but there are also specific for me in the way I should go. For example, uh, in my life, God wants me to lead worship, right? And to teach people the word of God about worship. In Pastor Sumrall's life, God didn't call him specifically to lead people in worship. He has a different kind of a singing voice, <laughs> a different kind of ear, and yet one of the most brilliant Bible teachers that I've ever heard in the world. Specifics for me, specifics for him. And then God brought us together. Thank the Lord for that, that he brought us together to minister together to you. Amen. But I love this, that God teaches us the way we should go. And this is the way that we will profit or prosper or gain or benefit. This is what God has planned for you. Take it to heart. God has planned for you to prosper. God has planned for you to benefit. And so for all of you who are running little online businesses, or you're running a large business, you have staff to take care of. Look to the Lord, because he will teach you the way that you should go. And then God says, oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. You know, we sing in It Is Well With My Soul, When peace like a river attendeth my way, your peace would have been like a river. It flows, here comes the peace. And when I get in it and I'm just luxuriating in this peace and it flows on, there's still more coming. It's a river, it keeps flowing. Your righteousness, like the waves of the sea crashing in, oh, your peace would have been like that. If what? If you would have paid attention to my commandments. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness, like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed before me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it. Send it out to the ends of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. Never doubt the Lord's ability to care for you. Verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Now, just a couple verses earlier. If you would have paid attention to my commands, then your peace would have been like a river. It would have been well with you, your offspring, your, your name, and so on and so on. But he ends this section with, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Now, we have been talking about how Isaiah is like a mini Bible, 66 books in the Bible, 66 chapters in Isaiah. And just like the Bible's divided into the Old Testament, of book 1 through 39, and then New Testament books 40 through 66. So the book of Isaiah 
is divided in the same way with books 1 through 39 being mostly history, prophecy, poetry, and so on. And then versus uh, chapters 40 through 66 being as though it's the New Testament, comfort, comfort ye my people, and lots and lots of specifics about our Messiah. But within chapters 40 to 66, we have three divisions within. So that's chapters 40 to 48, chapters 49 to 57, and chapters 58 to 66. Those are three major divisions within this second half of the book of Isaiah, chapters 40 to 66. These, why do I mention that right now? Because we have just come to the end of one of those divisions. We just finished chapter 48, and chapter 48 ends with, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And what we need to just realize is that each of these three major divisions are separated by this verse. This verse separate, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So we will see this verse again. We will see it again as we progress through the various chapters of the book of Isaiah. We will see um, this division made very clear. So apparently it's something very important. If we want peace, peace is the fruit of righteousness, remember? righteousness will bring forth the fruit of peace. So peace is the fruit of righteousness. If we want peace, we need to be right with God. We need to be right, righteous in right standing with God. How do we do that? We do that by having our sins forgiven, by living for him, by living according to his word, thinking the way he thinks, treating people with justice, treating people rightly, treating people with mercy. Just those things that we have been reading here in the book of Isaiah. Of course, the rest of the Bible as well, but you know what I mean. We need to be people of righteousness, and then we will be people of peace. So yes, we will encounter this particular verse again as we go through the book of Isaiah. I always get to the end of our reading in Isaiah for that day, and I always say, are we done? Is that it? Can't we continue just a little bit more? But we will continue our Isaiah reading a little bit more tomorrow. That's the end for today, and thank you so much for joining us Please do join us again tonight for our COP online evening service. It will be a moment I'm waiting for. God bless you.